Well, hey everybody, uh, thanks so much for joining us online for worship today. We are in a series on the Gospel of John. It is the early going, uh, still in chapter 1, and so we're going to dive right in here, beginning with verse 35. The following day, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. Um, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So just to point out the obvious, if you uh, heard last week's sermon, this is John being John. As we said earlier, everything that he did and was and understood about himself was about pointing to Jesus. And here he is pointing now his own disciples toward Jesus. So back to the text, verse 38. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard, that John, heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Verse 42, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Okay, uh, so far we have seen that Jesus is the central organizing fact of reality. And uh, therefore, we need to live, and this is the word we keep using, Christocentric lives. Lives with Christ at the center. Um, and we talked about John the Baptist, who, you may recall, has been set apart from birth in order to be Christocentric. So, uh, you Sunday school rats will, will know his backstory. Uh, John was conceived miraculously he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you can imagine this, while still in his mother's womb. Um, God then gave his parents very specific instructions for how to raise him so that he could be the one who paved the way for the Messiah. In other words, he had his whole life constructed around Christ from, from even like before day one. So that's him. But now, for the rest of the book of John, we're going to see Jesus do something very different. He's going to take a bunch of confused, misguided, stubborn people who see themselves as the center of the universe, and then he's going to deconstruct their reality and then rebuild it all around him and his kingdom. And what we just read uh, is actually the beginning of that process. Now, uh, Jesus had followers um, some of these, uh, Jesus found himself, uh, some of them came to him and found him, but in the end, he had his 12 closest, uh, followers and we typically call them Jesus's disciples and disciple is, that's, that's a good word for what they were. Um, I actually don't think it's the best word. So, so stay with me. Jesus was a rabbi. And rabbis were teachers, um, and they often had lots of people come and hear them teach. But 
their closest followers were called Talmudim. Um, and those were the ones who wanted to not just hear the rabbi, like from the crowd, okay, but they wanted to be like him in every way. And then eventually, this was the goal, the stated goal, they would become rabbis themselves. So they were really apprentices, all right? Not, not just followers, but followers with the express purpose of one day being like their rabbi, they were apprentices. Now, um, there was a saying that a, a good Talmudan um, or an apprentice uh, would have, and think about this, they would have grit in their teeth. Um, the idea being um, that they would follow their rabbi so closely that the dirt that was kicked up by his sandals as he walked would actually get in their teeth. And so they would like, they would literally eat his dust. Now, um, the disciples uh, as, that we read about in the Gospels, um, to be clear, they were Talmudan. They weren't, they weren't just super fans. They weren't just uh, groupies. They weren't just like old school deadheads who were on tour with Jesus. Um, they were enrolled in an immersive school with the clear stated goal of one day doing the things that Jesus did, they were his apprentices. And hear me on this, so are we, all right? I mean, at least theoretically, uh, we, we aren't just supposed to listen to him from the crowd. The invitation is to be with him. It is to walk so closely to him that the dust from his sandals gets in our teeth so that we will become like him and do the things that he did. And that, that is our apprenticeship. Guys, it is, it is one thing to listen to Jesus' teaching. It is another thing altogether to be an apprentice of his. And frankly, he has a, he has a lot more listeners, a lot more hearers than he does apprentices. Um, and I just, I hope very much that none of us will ever settle for being in the crowd and just knowing some of the stuff that Jesus said. We are to be apprentices of Jesus and nothing less. Now, uh, one of the kind of initial ways that this works out is, is actually with our names. Um, as we said a couple of weeks ago, our names um, they aren't who we are. They're, they're labels that represent who we are. Um, but Jesus, as our maker, as our rabbi, he has, and hold on to this, he has naming rights. Okay, so in other words, we are who he says we are. So um, if we go back now to John the Baptist's story, um, for those of you who are familiar, God came and spoke to his dad and he said, I, I want you to name that boy John. And, and people, you might remember, thought that that was a bad idea because it wasn't a family name and that wasn't the tradition. But he insisted, no, his name is John. And he could do that because God has naming rights over his creation. Um, and we actually just read something similar to that um, happening when Simon first meets Jesus, and he enrolls as an apprentice of Jesus. So I'll, I'll read that to you again. Verse 42, 
Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, uh, which means Peter. Um, so again, if, you, if you're a Sunday school brat, you'll know this one, but, but Peter means the rock. So Jesus meets Simon, takes one look at him, and he says, you're Simon, that's fine, um, but you're not, you're not just Simon anymore. You're now Simon the rock. Um, and he says, I have, I have this new name for you. And, and we actually know from Matthew's account that, that this is about his mission. Um, he would be the rock that Jesus would build his church upon. This is, this is calling. This is the designer. This is the creator saying, that's who you are. That's what you're here for. And he could do that, Jesus, because he had naming rights. Now, um, one, of the, one of the cool things that God did in my family is, is he gave a name kind of like this to my dad uh, for all three of us kids. So um, he told dad that Crystal, this is my oldest sister, um, that she would be adored. And guys, I'm telling you, truer words have never been spoken. Like I, I, I was just with her this week. It is incredible. She is this magical magnetism. She's like effervescent. Okay. And everybody just adores her. And I, I don't know that she has ever had an enemy, but if so, that person was like a psychopath because something is deeply wrong with you. If you don't like sincerely love her, she is truly, as the Lord said, she is truly crystal, the adored. Um, and, and then God also said um, to my dad about um, uh, the next child in the line, um, my sister, Farah. Uh, he said, she will be strong. And if you know Farah at all, you know this is absolutely, it could not be more true. And actually on a, on a couple of levels and a couple of senses. First, um, she's actually insanely physically strong, okay? And so she was just telling me a while back that she had gone to physical therapy uh, recently, um, and they did like strength tests and then they had her do it over and over and over again because they thought for sure that something was wrong with their machine because they had just never seen anything like it. Like she's in, she's a beast. Okay. And so, um, that, yes, that does actually mean that I spent most of my childhood getting beat up by a girl, but she's really strong. Okay. Um, but that's really not what this is about. Um, it's actually that she is this incredibly strong, natural leader, and she is incredibly resilient. And in a room full of leaders, full of leaders, if there is a crisis, and I've actually seen this happen a few times, everyone in the room turns to Farah if there's a crisis because she's strong and we all know it. And so look, just as the Lord said, she is truly Farah the strong. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of private about the one for me, but I will say this. Um, I think about it every day. I pray for it to be true every day. Uh, and it's, it is at the heart of my apprenticeship to Jesus as I, as I hope to live that out. And Jesus has the right to do these things, to speak who we are. He had the right to change how Simon was seen, how he was labeled. Jesus had the right to change what people said about him when they talked about him. He's Peter. He's the rock. Um, there's, 
there's power in naming. Um, I, I think of Aslan um, at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and by the way, if you haven't at least seen the movie, then like seriously hit pause right now, go watch it. Um, but at the end, Aslan, uh, who's the Christ figure, he names his apprentices. And, and maybe you'll remember this scene with the four, but there's Peter the Magnificent, there is Susan the Gentle, Lucy the Valiant, Edmund the Just. And, and I think of John the Forerunner, Peter the Rock, and Crystal the Adored, and, and Pharaoh the Strong. Um, and I actually find this, I find this particularly fascinating with Peter uh, because he was, he was absolutely not a rock at the point that Jesus called him that. In fact, um, he was this like, he was a blatant, fake, tough guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know the type? He was so obviously uh, just overcompensating all of the time because the fact is he was a coward and he knew it. And, and he, he tried extra hard to be the tough guy in the room because he was really driven by that insecurity. But Jesus spoke into that and he said, you know what, I've, I've, I've got a plan to make you like a, a real tough guy. Like not, not the stupid fake bravado that, that you put out. I'm, I'm going to make you an actual rock. And then over the course of his apprenticeship, that's, that's what happens. Um, the Gospels are filled with stories of Peter's weaknesses. And then the book of Acts, which is after Christ has walked with Peter, they are filled with stories of him being truly like the ultimate rock. Um, and let me, let me hit this uh, one more time. Peter's apprenticeship was all about the shift from me-centric to Christocentric. Okay? Um, Simon became Peter. His identity was, and this is like we saw with John the Baptist, it was exclusively about who he was in relationship to Jesus. So, who are you, Simon? And he would say, I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I'm, I'm the first stone that Jesus used to build his church. Not, I'm Simon, son of John. Not, I'm Simon, the fisherman. Not, I'm Simon, the tough guy. All right, nothing about his old identity remained, and that scared, uneducated, kind of foolish man who compensated for his obvious weakness with like even more obvious fake bravado, that's all gone. He says, I'm Peter the Rock. I am who Jesus says I am. I am who I am in relation to him. I'm Peter. And hear me on this point. Um, Peter's apprenticeship to Jesus was all about him growing into what Jesus had already declared to be true about him. You are Peter. You are the rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And so your apprenticeship to Jesus, should you, should you choose to accept the invitation, and that's, that's big. It's a big if, but if you accept your invitation to be an apprentice of Christ, it will be about Him tearing down the ideas you have about who you think you are and then being formed into who He says you are, your, your true and genuine given name. Guys, to be saved 
by the name of Jesus is to be renamed by Jesus. It's a new identity and we get, we get aligned with the truth that who we really are is who we are in relation to him. So uh, today, let's, let's make a little bit of time to sit with just these two ideas. Uh, the first, are, are, you, are you a fan of Jesus? Are you, are you a supporter? Are you, are you a follower of Jesus, like in the general sense? Or are you truly a Talmudim, right? Are you an apprentice? Um, an apprentice who, who follows the rabbi so closely that the dust from his sandals gets in your truth, it gets in your teeth. Because, because that's something entirely different than being a fan or being a supporter out in the crowd. And, and secondly, would you consider this? When, when the rabbi, Jesus, turns to you and says, look, you aren't who you thought you were. I'm, I am changing your identity. I'm changing the way you see you. I'm changing the way the world sees you. I am exercising my naming rights. Then will you allow him to truly shift your identity? Have you allowed him really to say who you are and then start shaping you into that? So first, are you, are you truly an apprentice or are you more of a fan, more of a supporter, more of uh, a, another person in the audience? And two, have you genuinely surrendered your identity to him? Have you given him naming rights? Um, or are you still along the way um, clinging to your own plans? Let's pause now uh, in prayer and give ourselves a moment to consider these questions. Father, um, we readily admit that we cling to our own ideas of who we are and who we should be, that we uh, cling to the notion of going our way and doing what we want to do. And Father, would you challenge us now? Perhaps um, we need this challenge. Lord, are we really, truly apprentices of you, following you so closely uh, that the dirt from your sandals gets, becomes the grit in our teeth, on your heels following you, hour by hour, Lord? Or are we kind of going our way off in the crowd, an audience member hearing, maybe a fan, maybe a supporter, but not truly an apprentice of yours with every, every uh, goal and desire to become just like you? If so, Lord, would you challenge us in this direction? We want to be genuinely apprentices of you. And Father, have we clung to our own idea of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing and what our life is supposed to look like and be shaped like? Or have we truly surrendered to you and say, Lord, I, I am who you say I am. I'm not what my career says I am or my relationship status or my financial position. N none of those. I am who you say I am. And Lord, we surrender to you in these things. Amen.